Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of Ask the CEO with Abraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's a globally recognized cloud computing expert, thought leader, industry influencer, and a founder author of the award-winning Cloud Mussings blog. He has also been recognized as a top 100 cloud computing influencer and brand by Analytica 2017 and a top federal IT blog by FedTech Magazine in 2015 and 2016. Internationally recognizable firms that have sponsored blog posts authored by him include Cisco, Microsoft, and IBM. He has also been featured in podcasts and online video with Dell, IBM, Intel, and National Public Radio. In May 2018, he was awarded an Information Security Leadership Award for his work in the U.S. federal government sector by the president of International Information Systems Security Certification Consortium. It is my pleasure to welcome Kevin Jackson. Welcome, Kevin. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's uh, just an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure having you. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Well, great. Yeah, so um, I'm the CEO of uh, GovCloud Network. Uh, We founded in uh, 2013, and we have been focused on helping our clients uh, develop and execute business and mission strategies that leverage the parallel and global nature of cloud computing. Um, I started working in cloud computing mostly in the federal government about 10 years ago. But since then, we have really broadened mostly into the uh, commercial space. So cloud computing enables new business models that that attract global revenue streams. And, And we develop strategies for active monitoring and management of social media and and other channels in order to sense and respond to the marketplace. That helps our clients develop the new business models that they need to be successful. And for sure, and one of the things that the cloud is really known for is agility in allowing the small business to rapidly ramp up their operations, whereas just uh, like you said, 10 years ago, uh, was only the big companies that had access to the kinds of power and applications that are available today. Yeah, the, the thing that's changed is you no longer need capital in order to build an infrastructure for a business. And that's because most businesses are now information-based. And as long as you can design a business model or mission model and you can understand the data source and a data sync, you can create these new business models that leverage cloud computing. And talking about information, so what are the challenges that some business face with regards to information security and data security when migrating to the cloud? Well, the biggest challenge right now is actually managing data. I mean, a typical information worker will create about a megabyte of data every second. I mean, when you're just sitting with your smartphone, you're 
creating data about where you are, what you're doing, what applications are running on your phone, and even the things that you are not doing, the so-called white space data creates information. And all this information needs to be classified so that organizations know not only how to use it, but how to protect it. And this is the biggest issue right now because this data moves, it, it goes everywhere. And that you bring up a good point there uh, about the classification of data. Um, how is that managed, especially on such a large scale? So prior to the information age, organizations basically said all our data is important. So we were protected at the same level. Also, this data was in their data centers. So they knew where it was. Now, the creation of data has exploded. Plus, the mobility of workers means that this data has to be mobile as well. So organizations really can't afford to even store all the data that they use in everyday business. So they need to figure out what data needs to be protected because it may be personally identifiable information, what data needs to be protected because it may be contractually sensitive, or in today's world of data sovereignty where countries are passing new laws to protect data, where can the data actually go and where can it be stored? All of this is part of classifying data, and this is new. I mean, just in May of uh, this year, the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, became effective, and it's enforced globally. So it, it doesn't matter if you're in Europe or outside of Europe. If you have data and that data is about a European citizen, you need to protect it under GDPR. And that's one of the benefits that the cloud offers because small companies may not have the resources required to do all this classification on their own. Yes, that's absolutely true. And, and the, the work associated with actually classifying, tracking, and protecting data is far in excess of what most organizations are capable of doing. It's just not economically feasible unless you yourself are a global organization. So cloud service providers actually offer a lot of standard uh, processes that are industry leading to help protect your data. But you can't rely on the cloud service providers. You need to understand what you need in your particular industry. And that brings up another good point. So according to a report published by AT&T, about 25% mm -hmm. of companies are planning to spend their cybersecurity budget on cybersecurity insurance which means right. that they're covered financially in the event of a data breach. As a consumer, though, that doesn't give me a good comfort feeling that my data and my interests are protected. Um, what do you no. think the solution is for that? 
Well, to be honest, financial risk is only one of the issues associated with data breaches. Reputational risk mm -hmm. and business ecosystem risk can be much more damaging. I mean, look at uh, companies like Equifax that are basically going out of business because of a data breach. A year later, people are still using them as an example. <laughs> right, exactly. But the solution is that you have to, an organization has to have proactive management of their data. And they need to manage the data as the real asset that it is. Executives need to take the responsibility of properly classifying and adequately protecting and actually measuring and monitoring how all their corporate data is being used. And what I love about what you're saying is that um, you're putting the onus on the company that collects mm -hmm. the data, which I like because ultimately you can have legislation from today until tomorrow. Um, there are always loopholes with legislations and the legislations themselves have various degrees of enforceability. And after that, you know, um, so what, there's a law on the books, but. <laughs> yeah, but <you> legislation <laughs> is something that is actually a, a running feud between the United States and the European Union. The European Union says that they have 26 countries with the same rules and laws for data protection. Whereas in the United States, you have one country that has 50 separate states that can make their own laws. In fact, California just recently passed a law that's very much in line with the European view of data protection. Data protection is always the responsibility of the entity that collects the data. This, this entity is generally referred to as the data controller. And, and the data controller shoulders all responsibility for protecting that data. Cloud service providers can be contractually liable for breaches, but the controller must put that in place. And I'm going to go off on a rant quoting one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Gary Vaynerchuk. And, you know, whether you're talking about cybersecurity or any other aspect of business, ultimate, the ultimate judge is the market. And the market will decide whether or not they choose one company over another. And like you said, it's the reputation. So as a business owner, I really don't care what the legislation is. What I care about is how will my customers and how will the market judge me? And therefore, it, it's my opinion that the onus is on the business owner and on the business that is collecting that data. Right, a absolutely. I don't know, have you, you, you've heard, have you heard or maybe your listeners haven't heard about what happened to LinkedIn and the Russian Federation? The fact that LinkedIn, I mean, many people use LinkedIn, and there's a lot of personal information on LinkedIn. And the Russian Federation actually has a law that requires all personal data of Russian citizens to remain within the physical boundaries of Russia. Well, LinkedIn took that data 
and they had it in data centers in the United States. And the Russian courts called him on that and said, you need to bring that data back into Russia. LinkedIn sort of ignored that and it went to a higher court and finally it went to the Supreme Court in Russia. LinkedIn still did not bring all the data back into Mother Russia. And finally, the executive, uh, Putin, locked down and shut down LinkedIn across the entire country. That's a real business action that I'm sure caused a lot of pain to LinkedIn. Yeah, although I find it kind of funny that Russia would be paranoid about their data. Well, the Russian constitution actually has a line to protect data. You're, you won't find anything in the U.S. Constitution. In fact, there is no general national law for data protection in the United States. You have industry-specific laws like HIPAA and high-tech for healthcare data, and there are financial industry laws, but there's no general law to protect the data of your data and my data. And what do you think the reason for that is? It's a, it's a philosophy thing, I think. Um, the United States has um, sort of evolved the philosophy of opt-out, which means that businesses can collect data about you as long as you don't opt out of that action or that process. And they can generally use the data for whatever they want. In Europe, there's a requirement for opt-in. So businesses cannot collect your data unless they actually tell you and you give them explicit permission. So these two cultures have really grown up in different ways and in today's interconnected world, the, the differences are just startling. Well, and I just learned something new today because I had no idea that uh, Russia had those, lo uh, those laws on the books. <laughs> right, right. And this is called data sovereignty. I mean, in information age, every country wants to not only protect its citizens, but protect its economics. And, and cloud computing is not really a technology. It, it, it's really, you know, the name that we've put on new economic, operational, and IT acquisition models. So these models are responsive, global, and pervasive. And if your country doesn't have a, a way of dealing with these new models and the exchange of global data, your whole economic structure could be at risk. Yeah, for sure. So Kevin, what's next for data security? Well, I think what's next is an homogenization uh, of data protection. I mean, another sort of cultural difference is that in Europe, your data, protection of your data is seen as a human right. Mm -hmm. And this led to, under GDPR, the right to be forgotten, 
That is, if someone has data on me, I can direct that data controller to actually delete the data. Um, so as our economics go global, data security needs to, the protection of data secured data needs to be consistent. And you see this happening with Facebook um, and with Microsoft. It's really difficult for these large com companies that handle huge amounts of personal data to have different data security policies and practices in place. So this homogenization of data security has to happen. Yeah, and I, I would love to see that happen. You know, if you think about it, we both grew up in a time when you could do stupid things in childhood and in mm -hmm. adolescence and nobody would ever find out. Today, everything's on video. You're having people uh, do stuff where there are cameras everywhere. And can you imagine 20 years from now when, when they're a professional, when they're looking for a job, uh, mm -hmm. or not even 20 years from now, and then this, some stupid thing they did in college comes back to haunt them. So I think that it, I like that approach of it being a human yeah. right because it really is a basic human right. Right, right, absolutely. You can't do stupid in the closet anymore. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Kevin, how can people connect with you? Well, as I said, no one's in the closet anymore. I'm, um, I'm online. Uh, you can connect with me via social media on Twitter where I'm at Kevin underscore Jackson or LinkedIn, or you can just come to our website at www.govcloudnetwork.com. Great. And I'm going to post that to the show notes so that people can just click on that and get right to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great. Kevin, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, actually, the thing that the audience should remember is that change is constant and it's accelerating. That means everyone has to keep an eye out on their own data and what they are doing in this whole social ecosystem. When I was in the military, they always had this saying, keep your head on a swivel. Well, you gotta keep your head on a swivel in today in your regular life. Great. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. No, thank you very much.